This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little beautiful girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man that he is. The big things I love to hear from Abner are his journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, and then he talks about the sports, music, culture, and family life. Just amazing. So listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English are out on Tuesdays, and episode in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the October 23rd episode, and as always, we are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand, and today we bring in one of fantasy football's heavy hitters, Chris Raybon of the Action Network and Fantasy Labs. Chris is one of the premier people in the industry for fantasy and sports wagering advice. His accuracy record on Fantasy Pros is incredible. Top five finish on Fantasy Pros last year. And his wagering record as well on Action Network are among the best you will find. One of the hardest working people in the industry. The Fantasy Flex is a must watch, as well as the co-host of the betting podcast on Action as well. He pumps out the content written in video. Amazing person to have on any time, especially heading into week seven, the halfway point of most Fantasy Football regular seasons. Follow him on Twitter, at Chris Raybon. It's on Twitter and on the Action app. You can get his picks as well. Chris, always great to talk to you again. What's good, sir? Man, that was a great intro, Mike. Uh, it's hard to uh, follow that up, but uh, doing good. It's, we're recording this on Tuesday, so just kind of, you know, working through some some fantasy rankings and trying to get these all situated, trying to figure out if Belichick's going to take away George Kittle. You know, you know, the huge. Living the dream, the grind, <laughs> my friend. And the, the big news today that broke, we are recording on Tuesday, Miami on a bye this week, but now we'll be starting Tua Tagovailoa. It's Tua time down in Miami there. What do you think about Tua next week and rest of season, and how does that affect the offensive playmakers there on the Dolphins, a team that's in the hunt right now for a playoff berth? Man, it, it is kind of interesting timing, um, but I think that – you know, I, I'm personally extremely high on Tua, was extremely high on Joe Burrow as well. Uh, I've generally been pounding the drum uh, the whole offseason that, hey, like, let's not worry too much about rookies. You know, like, yeah, it was a limited offseason, but talent is talent. And these, you know, the, the, it's kind of coming to, you know, the, the talent will, cream will rise to the top. So I think Tua will be solid. Um, it's hard to kind of follow up Fitzpatrick as well as he's been playing. I'm actually surprised that they're doing this now in a way. But then again, uh, and Jeff Collins made a great point about this on the, on the Fantasy Flex pod, which will be out uh, Wednesday. But coming off bye weeks is when you're really seeing teams incorporate rookies a lot more. So you, you've seen it already with like Pittsburgh had the bye week and then Claypool comes out, you know, yes. uh, going crazy. DeAndre Swift for the Lions off that bye week. So uh, you're really going to see that. And I think that's something to watch out for as we get into the bye week crunch and don't let, you know, the fact that maybe a team has been off and kind of out of sight, out of mind, uh, take you off some of these rookies or even bump them up in your projections even more than, you know, maybe what they've done to this point. Uh, it doesn't apply to Tua, obviously, because he's a quarterback, but uh, I do think that uh, there could be some growing pains uh, just because Fitzpatrick has been so good. Uh, but this is great news for Miles Gaskin, right? Yep, because yep. he has been, and this is a guy, and another thing to watch out for always is, you know, those second year guys, you almost blindly, if you just kind of invest in second year players, you'll, you'll have some whiffs, of course, but 
Um, generally, you see these guys make a big jump between year one and year two, and that's what's happened with Miles Gaskin, Jordan Howard, uh, and Salvana Med, uh, two running backs inactive for the Dolphins uh, in that game against the Jets. So they went with Laird uh, and, uh, and Brita behind Gaskin. So he, he's the guy there, and I think he'll see even more work with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I'm waiting for the fantasy community to catch up to Miles Gaskin. It's the name, Chris. It has to be that because it's nothing else. He's getting a dominant opportunity share in the backfield there. Jordan Howard's been an inactive, so he's getting goal line touches. He's, I think he's like fifth or sixth in receptions among running backs. I, I, I think this could be an even bigger move for Miles Gaskin moving forward than he's had already. Absolutely. He's uh, good for, as you mentioned, like four catches a game. He's always among the top in target share uh, at the position. And Brian Flores has said, hey, this guy is our spread back. This is the guy we go to uh, when we're spreading him out. And Miami is spreading him out. You know, that's what they're going to do. And and Tua, you know, coming from, you know, the you know a, a rookie, that's generally what you're going to see with those kind of quarterbacks. You're going to see them spread it out, uh, make, give them easy reads and easy throws. And I'm sure he'll rely a lot upon uh, Gaskin. And they're starting to get those other two tight ends involved, so they don't always have to go three receiver. You can have that second tight end, Shaheen or Durham Smith, as the blocker, so you still get Gasicki loose in the slot, and you still have Gaskin to target uh, on pass routes. So that's always very important, trying to figure out who that designated blocker is when you're kind of projecting your receptions and your and your targets, because uh, a lot of times it's going to have to be the back or the tight end, but with Miami going a more too tight, Isaiah Ford's uh, hurting a little bit for, for some routes run, but uh, I think this will be great for, for Gasket. I think he's the big winner here. Well, and then there were three undefeated teams left, Chris. Steelers, Titans, Seahawks, they're all 5-0. and Let's take a look at each one. Start with Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger, only 26 in completed air yards, not taking as many shots downfield, but his efficiency has been superb. He's completing over 69% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, one interception. The key question is when Deontay Johnson is healthy, how do you rank the wide receivers fantasy-wise on this team? Because there's a lot of value in Pittsburgh. They're scoring a lot of points. But interesting, this past week, Steelers blow out the Browns. I believe Ben was the QB 23. So it's translating for the wideouts, maybe not for Ben. But how do you see the offense here moving forward? And this is interesting because just before we got on air, we talked about how, you know, kind of looking at the, the consensus rankings early in the week can throw you off. And yep. I, I remember, like, I, I personally try not to look uh, until I'm, like, almost done and it's kind of like Sunday. But um, I, I saw that Ben Roethlisberger, I think, was, like, the eighth or ninth QB last week. And I looked at my rankings and I had him, I think, 15th or 16th. And I'm like, huh, that's that's interesting. But um, it's, it's just with these quarterbacks who don't run, um, it, it it's just really tough for them to keep up with those that do. And so I think that's why um, you're seeing his fantasy uh, performance where it is. Uh, as far as the wide receivers, I think it's Chase Claypool, number one, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, number two, uh, and then James Washington, number three, and Johnson, fourth. Uh, I, I think that Johnson, like – he had a couple of big games in terms of the receptions, but he also struggled. It, it, even in those games where he had the high uh, reception counts, uh, just kind of some miscommunications, some drops, some lack of focus. He's been hurt. So uh, I think James Washington is actually really coming on strong, just as he did last year. Where there were times when Washington really looked like the number one guy and, and not Deontay and not Juju. And, and we're starting to see that again. And he's their deep threat. He's their, and, and you always got to, you need that to keep defenses honest. And I think Claypool. Uh, kind of cuts into a lot of the things Johnson was doing with the talents he had. He brings even more to the table. So I think Claypool, just with his talent, um, he's kind of uh, surpassed Juju. Uh, I think it will kind of go back and forth, though. The more you have to cover Claypool, the more Juju gets open. And Juju's still very talented. Like And, and, and what, 23? So let's not write him off completely. Uh, so I think, I think unfortunately, uh, Johnson is probably going to be the loser here. It's hard to tell each week who to go with. But, you know, just like Wally Pip, Johnson is, is still going to be a major part of the offense. But Claypool's been so dominant, and Juju has the, the veteran, like you said, at 23 years old. He has the role there. So really interesting stuff in Pittsburgh. Points. I, I, sorry, I, told, I just thought of this. I, I think I, I know the answer to this question. You know who loses out? Uh, Eric Ebron. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Claypool can play, can do a lot of the things Ebron can do. I mean, what is Claypool, 6'5", 230? He's yeah. Ebron's size. And uh, Ebron in the... 
what was it, the game before the last one, the Philly game, uh, he had a couple of just key drops and it just sloppy play. And that's he's been known to do that his entire career. And we're already seeing Vance McDonald get a little bit phased out. So uh, I think Ebron may actually get phased out because the Steelers can spread him out. I mean, they, they will go four wide, and they did that a lot in 2018 when they had Brown, Juju, Ryan Switzer, uh, Eli Rogers in, in Washington. Like, they would go four or five wide a, a ton. So I think – Ebron is actually the guy to watch out for, uh, probably even more so, and I think they start going more for what? Yeah, so Fantasy Mansion gets his wish and they make Chase Claypool a tight end. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? Oh, oh, he's, I, had him, I had him rank like 12th last week, and I have him in the top 20 again. I mean, I think this yeah. guy is, is legit, and it, it just goes to show you. Rookie, second-year, veteran, whatever, talent is talent, and uh, it, it's rising to the top of Pittsburgh. Yeah, talent is talent, and the immovable object is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry atop the league in rushing yards, destroyed the Bills. Tennessee has wins this year, though, Chris, by 2-3-1-6 and six in overtime, besides that big blowout over Buffalo. How is this team doing this year? Are they going to be able to keep it going? Taylor Lewan's now out for the rest of the season, torn ACL. Thoughts here on the Tennessee offense? Here's the Super Bowl team. This is, a, this is the team that I would be most scared of if I'm the Chiefs. Uh, this is just a... Uh, extremely, extremely well-coached football team. And uh, the fact that they're winning these close games kind of reminds you of Seattle a little bit. But Seattle has won Super Bowls. <laughs> and it's like, it's like the, it's, it's a team that on paper, you continue to kind of doubt that eh, they don't look quite as good as their record. How are they doing this? Russell Wilson. And the same thing with Tannehill. It's like, how, is Tannehill really going to keep doing this? Uh, he, out, of, out of all the games he started with Tennessee – uh, he's thrown multiple touchdown passes all but twice, I believe it is. Like, mm-hmm. th- he keeps doing it. This team is extremely well coached. They're going to continue to win close games. And I think they can weather the storm of Terry Lerwan being out. He wasn't playing very well this year. Uh, obviously, he's he's very important to the team, but wasn't playing well this year. Sam Brilo, uh was playing well in relief of him. And uh, I think it's going to be a little overstated what this loss does because – uh, guess who is the number one quarterback in passer rating under pressure in 2020? It's Ryan Tannehill. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> and, and, incredible. And, it is, and this has come a long way because, remember, Tannehill was a guy who uh, – there was a time when pressure, he just crumbled, and, and it was sacked. He's got a he's got a, he's, I think his sack rate is like one of the lowest this year. It's like 8.9% or something under pressure uh, where you see most quarterbacks in double digits in those situations. So, I mean, Tannehill has made incredible strides, and I think it just speaks to the coaching staff. And so – People are going to continue to look at Tennessee and say, this team is overachieving. And it may well be overachieving, but guess who also overachieves? The Patriots, the Chiefs, the the Ravens, all these well-coached, the, the, the Seahawks, these well-coached teams uh, with, with with kind of an offensive formula. And Tennessee certainly has that. They got Brown going. Henry's always going to be a monster. They do a lot of play action. So as long as Henry's there, um, I think if, if only, the only way I'd be concerned with Tennessee really is if something happened to Derrick Henry. As long as he's in there, uh, this team has uh, a legit shot to get to and win the Super Bowl. And what's beautiful from a fantasy perspective is they make it very easy on us. It's Derrick mm-hmm. Henry. It's A.J. Brown. At a shallow tight end spot, it's Jonu Smith who, who gets the high-efficiency targets. I was worried about A.J. Brown last week going against Bradley Roby, but he destroys Houston, and he did it again. I mean, just a huge performance from him as well. Oh, yeah. I, 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 uh, I was a little worried too. You know, Bradley Roby has – surprisingly uh, been been very good in shadow coverage he's been shadowing every week but again this Tennessee pass offense there's certain times when like you're trying to project things and and kind of see how these matchups uh, align and things don't apply and with Tennessee it's like a, a matchup against the defense you know a defense going against Tennessee doesn't really apply to any other team almost because Tennessee is just such a high uh, a, a high efficiency and high rate play action team, and you're always worried. You're, there's no back in the league like Derrick Henry, and so there, there's just not the same kind of team to, to defense. Even if you're just kind of saying, okay, well, this is a good defense, they should shut Tennessee down. Well, maybe they won't because their linebackers are going to be frozen, and the middle of the field is going to be wide open, and AJ Brown is going to be streaking through it, and John o. Smith's going to be streaking through it, and, he, and even Corey Davis, who's Let's face it, he's a talented player who's underachieved, but even he's starting to come into his own. We'll see how he comes back off the COVID. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's just a well-coached team, and, and that's the thing. I would always kind of advise people to, to trust the, the Chiefs, the, the Titans, the Patriots. We'll get it, we'll get it together. And, and the Seahawks, they're just well-coached teams, and, uh, and they have a formula, and it's going to work. And so 
any type of doubts or things on paper that maybe don't look as good as they should, bump them up a little bit. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one, folks, number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike those other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You're only going to pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in that hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. I love sitting back watching Monday Night Football last week. We had the great doubleheader. I had Christian Kirk on DFS streaking down the field there, and that bomb from Kyler Murray had the Pepsi in my hand sat back. It was a beautiful moment. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it like us. Pepsi, made for football watching. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. And the perfect segue to the last undefeated team, Seattle. Coming off a bye, they play Arizona this week on the road. Now, Russell Wilson, clear MVP candidate. Josh Allen's had a struggle here last couple weeks, but Wilson is in the lead. He is the man. He's performing at the highest level of his career, which is saying something. My question here is with Chris Carson. Now, look, Chris Carson produces hard worker. Everyone loves him. Worked through the fumble issues last year. But he did get banged up a little bit. And I guess the question for fantasy owners is, if something happens to Carson and he misses time here now for a few weeks, something happens, is Rashad Penny someone that they should be stashing? Because otherwise, it's kind of a pretty open backfield. And just like you said with Henry, they rely on Carson a lot. So Seattle's fantastic. Receivers are great. But my question is, Carson, any concern with him moving forward? And is Penny going to make an impact, you think, when he comes back? No, nah, Carson has always got to be like one of the least concerned with players you have. I mean, yeah, he could get banged up, but that's true of any running back. But Pete Carroll absolutely loves this guy. I mean, it's it's absurd how much Pete Carroll loves this guy. And so he's going to play. And remember, he played over Penny when they drafted Penny in the first round. And Penny was like demoted to third string. Chris Carson's getting 20 touches a game. So uh, Carson will be the guy as long as he's healthy. Uh, Penny, you know, what is what is the latest news on Penny in terms of where he's at in his recovery? I haven't heard too much uh, about him. No, not much. I mean, I, I think they expect him back like week eight, week nine, and then he's got to work himself in. But we had a question last week from a Seattle fan, which is, you know, if he goes down, who do you think is the guy to own? I mean, there's always Carlos Hyde. We get that. But I agree with you. I, I think Penny is just a, a break glass in case of emergency. I mean, people may doubt Chris Carson for whatever reason, but his touch share running and passing and the passing game early in the season, he was even better. I mean, he was great in Atlanta the opening week. So a pretty safe guy, right, in terms of, of what we're dealing with with running back injuries. High floor, high ceiling. I mean, Chris Carson is why it would be the running back one every single week. Put it this way. Uh, Seattle has been just destroying teams offensively, right? Russell, they're putting up, you know, at least, you know, high 20s, usually 30s every week. And Russell Wilson has 
you know, like 90% of their offensive touchdowns. Like, that's going to regress to the mean eventually. And who's going to get those touchdowns? It's going to be Chris Carson or, or the running back if, you know, if Carson's hurt, whoever the running back is. So, uh, yeah, Carson is, uh, I mean, if you can trade for Chris Carson, I, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I would totally uh, buy on him. And I think to answer your question, uh, I never trust about these timetables, especially when you have a guy who, first of all, has to be cleared, then has to kind of work his way into football shape, then has to climb the depth chart again. Uh, I would probably just say it's Carl's Hyde at this point. I think it's it, there's a clear pecking order. It's Carson Hyde, you know, on the rundowns and uh, Travis Homer on the pass downs. And if if Hyde is out, they go with DJ Dallas. But uh, uh, I would think it would be Carlos Hyde to carry the load. Uh, in the backfield if Carson were to go down with Travis Homer mixing in a lot uh, on the pass downs. They like him in that role and they like him on special teams, so he'll be active each week. So much great content you put out every week, Chris. Your article about Dan Quinn, Atlanta puts Dan Quinn out of his misery, lets him go, but comparing him and looking at him through the prism of how coaches do against the spread I thought was brilliant. Just talk a little bit about that. It was a great article, really looked at it, and and that's a decent measurement to talk about the success of a coach. I mean, it's 2020. We have to start embracing odds and and sports gambling becoming legal. I thought it was a really unique but accurate way to look at it. Yeah, so my essential theory is, uh, and for everyone who wants to check out the piece, it's called How NFL Coaches Should Be Judged. Uh, it's on actionnetwork.com right now. You can Google it however you want to find it. But uh, essentially, my theory is this. We, NFL head coaches, and, and this is probably true of coaches of any sport, really, should be judged uh, based on their record against the spread. Why? Because it adjusts for expectations, right? It's, it's, it, everyone has a 50-50 chance and the spread has proven over time to be extremely accurate to where, you know, favorites and underdogs cover at roughly a 50% rate. So, uh, coaches who consistently beat the spread, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, uh, Harbaugh in Baltimore, uh, you know, Pete Carroll, like, these are the best coaches and these are the best teams. And, uh, Dan Quinn was a coach who consistently uh, failed to cover the spread. And it, it, that's how you should really be judged. It's like, you know, a lot of people want to say, well, you know, the Texans fired Bill O'Brien too soon. You know, they had a rough schedule, but, you know, they didn't really, they didn't cover in any of those games against that tough schedule. You know, so uh, they were still falling short of expectation. It's the same thing I said about the Cowboys and, and Mike McCarthy or whoever you want to blame for this. It's the Cowboys are 0-6 against the spread. So, like, let's not pretend that they didn't have issues until Dak Prescott went down. Uh, they failed to meet expectations in every single game Mike McCarthy has coached as a Dallas Cowboy. You know, whether it's because the spread is either going to be if you're a favorite, can you win by more than you're expected to win? Uh, or if you're an underdog, can you win when you're expected to lose? Or can you lose by fewer points than you were expected to lose by? All those things are going to signify good coaching, especially over time. And so uh, that's how I judge coaches, and that's how – uh, I place a lot of bets, you know, that's why I'm not just looking at, uh, you know, maybe like what the model spits out. You always have to adjust for these things like the Buffalo Bills, I think, were kind of a trendy underdog pick against the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. And it's like Andy Reid in prime time on the road uh, and coming off extra time to prepare. These are all 60 percent plus mm-hmm. like uh, hit rates for Andy Reid, not because it's random variance, but because he's a good coach. And so you can't really model that per se, uh, but you have to adjust for it. And I, and I think that's how owners and general managers uh, should uh, the lens that they should view coaches through, and, and maybe some do. I, I haven't really heard of it, but I would say to any general manager or owner out there, uh, you know, before, like, when you're evaluating your coach, look at their performance versus the point spread, because that market is extremely efficient in, in terms of what you should expect your team to do on a given Sunday. And what better question to follow that up with than one about the Jets? Sean in Edgewater asks, is there any hope for any off- offensive fantasy players this year for the Jets? Denzel Mims coming back. Jamison Crowder, is he the only option? Sam Darnold hopefully can do something. Am I just wasting your time, Chris? That was the question that we got here. So Jets, uh, any any possibility here rest of the year? I would say this. Uh, you know, Crowder's going to be there. Crowder, is, is he's proven himself with Sam Darnold. He's going to be a high-volume target. Dar- uh, you know, whoever it is, Flacco, Darnold, that, that, he, he's, he's going to be the guy. You just look at targets per route run. Uh, you know, he's near the top of the league on this team. I would say – Give a take a flyer on Mims and take a flyer on Lamichael Piran because yep. again rookies 
rookies on teams that have nothing to lose on teams that are looking for playmakers and on teams where you don't like Frank Gore like you you should trade Frank Gore you don't need to give Frank Gore 15 20 touches a game for a team going nowhere you need to trade him to a contender just like Le'Veon Bell you know gets released goes to KC like Frank Gore deserves to be on a better team than this I wouldn't be surprised if if you know he's, he's Gase's guy if they work out a, a deal for him as well uh, so I would take a flyer on Pirine uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, kind of a mid-round selection that, that could still have some some promise. And uh, and and then, yeah, I would look at Denzel Mims. All it will take is one game, right? It, like Denzel Mims comes back, maybe he runs like 60% of the routes or something. He's not even a full-time guy. But if he if he goes like three for 105, that's it. He's, he's you know what I mean? Like he's there. He's in there. He's it's like, who's going to overtake Jeff Smith and uh, and Brashad Perriman? Like it, it's, it's a very clear path to the number two target. Uh, on the Jets behind Crowder, especially with Chris Herndon in the doghouse. Why I ever faded Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last night in DFS for Ezekiel Elliott, I will never know. But Edwards-Hilaire totals 161 rushing yards. And what could be his swan song here before Le'Veon Bell comes in? I think Edwards-Hilaire is still the lead running back there. I think Bell is going to be obviously receiving back, pass protection, maybe goal line. But there's a lot of work for Edwards-Hilaire. How do you see this backfield shaking out when Bell becomes uh, active and is is playing both with Edwards-Hilaire in the backfield? Yeah, I think you have to downgrade Edwards aware a little bit just because Andy Reid said, hey, I want to limit the pounding on Clyde Edwards aware. And I think we have a really good sample size to, or, or example to go off of with how Andy Reid treated Damian Williams. Remember, Damian Williams uh, kind of emerged down the stretch in 2018. And then he was the lead guy in the playoffs. Uh, no one else really even got a touch almost. And then Coming into twenty coming into twenty nineteen, are all okay. You know he's going to be the lead guy again, and he averages about twelve twelve point eight touches per game. I think it was. Uh, well, in the postseason, that jumped up to twenty two, so or over twenty two. So it's clear that Andy Reid is is cognizant of the fact that uh, he want he needs to to limit these guys. I think Edwards aware. You know he's had some huge carry games already. Uh, I just think that will come down a little, but I still think. You know, a lot of touches to us and a lot of touches to coaches is different. And you t- like most coaches, they'll say, yeah, yeah, I want to keep my lead back in like the 15 to 20 touch range. So, yes, Edwards Aware loses a little bit of value. But I still think like this week, I think I have him ranked 10th. So still like a low end RB1. You know, maybe if we see more from Bell, you know, that maybe Edwards Aware is more of a high end RB2. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. I think that. Uh, Bell is going to inherit the Darrell Williams role for the most part. And, uh, and the, you know, the Thompson and the Darrell Williams. And remember last year, even with McCoy, uh, they, 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 they use like three or four backs. And then when, when a guy went down, they didn't just use Darwin Thompson. They went and they went and got Spencer Ware and they were still using like three or four backs on a given game. So, uh, these guys will all mix in, but it's clear Edwards Ware is their best runner. And, and that's why I think Andy Reid went out and got away beyond Bell because, you don't want to, you know, run him 26 times against a team like Denver, and, and then and then he's hurt for the uh, for the postseason when it matters, and you have to keep up with, you know, guys like Derrick Henry and Lamar Jackson on the ground. Always good to have that veteran guy there to balance a little bit. You never know with injuries. I think it's a smart move, and it's a great play with Bell as well. Chris, you're a high energy energy guy. You're all over the place. Have so many things going on, especially on that Sunday show, which is fantastic. What do you have for breakfast? What gets you going here? What do you have in the morning? We've talked about cereal ever ever since Jake Seeley came on the pod of over a month ago. What do you have it in the morning to get you going? I'm usually doing eggs, uh, some some form of eggs. Maybe it's an omelet, maybe huevos rancheros. Um, you know, every once in a while, you know, pancakes or something sweeter like French toast, but uh, waffle. But generally, it's eggs and some type of uh, and some type of protein, bacon, sausage. And uh, usually some type of caffeine. Uh, I like Arnold Palmer's, which is you know the iced yes. tea lemonade, half yes. and half. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's usually it's usually some iced tea, some eggs, and some protein. Throw some potatoes in there sometimes, but uh, that's generally what I do. Not not too heavy on the cereal these days because uh, not too into milk. Uh, and if I I could try to limit the dairy consumption, so if I'm having dairy, I rather do it with like some like a cheat meal like pizza or something like that than just yep. have cereal and milk. Although, you know, you can do almond milk, but it's not quite the same. Not quite the same. And, and, and I assume if you have cereal, the cereal is going in first, not like Jake and these other crazy people that put the milk in first. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I I, I put the, yeah, the cereal in the bowl because, I, you know, it's kind of it's kind of sexy. You see the, the milk hitting the cereal. In the commercials, I don't know if people know this, but in the commercials, 
when they do it. It's actually glue, which is why the, the milk looks so like luscious. No and it's way. Like, yeah. It's so they, they, they have all these tricks to make food look better in commercials. And one of them is that uh, when they're pouring milk in the bowl in the commercials, it's, it's like it's glue. That's why it's so white. Because if you ever poured milk on cereal in real life, you know that it's kind of it's a little more see through. It's a little more translucent. Yes. It just doesn't look as good. Uh, but yeah, they they do it. Uh, they do they do they use glue in the in the uh, commercials. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely uh, cereal in the bowl first, then the milk. You have blown my mind. Picks, betting advice, fantasy advice, and commercial secrets. I mean, I, this is uh, unbelievable here, Chris. Let's turn to uh, week seven waiver wire pickups. I'm curious on some plays. Now, this is going to drop on Friday morning. So, what do you think about Boston Scott in here for Miles Sanders? Is he he sort of bombed earlier this year, but looks like he's going to get another shot Thursday against the Giants? It's it's a decent spot. It's hard to have full confidence in him just because you know the. Uh, the, the kind of workload reduction that he's seen, like at one point he was the guy, like, we're well, not the guy, but he was like very involved, kind of almost like a Murray, uh, Murray Kamara situation where Scott was still like heavily involved. And then it, it really has dropped off this year and Miles Sanders has taken that lead role. So, um, you know, maybe they don't have as much confidence in him and, uh, they'll go, you know, a little more Corey Clement or we'll see some, some Jason Huntley. He's still, he's still lying around. I also think we'll see some Jalen Hurts at running back. So, yep. Yep. uh, you know, I'm not like, like, I think you pick him up. Like you absolutely pick him up if you need him. And, and, and I just don't think you blow like your, your FAAB, uh, completely on him because, uh, there's just not enough confidence there. And the Giants have been pretty good against the run as well, which is kind of – their defense in general has actually been pretty strong, which has flown under the radar because they are they have one win on the year. But uh, it's not exactly an easy matchup on a short week either. So um, there, there's high upside there, but uh, low floor as well. No, and Giants had a good fantasy performance this past weekend against Washington, and Bradbury has been pretty much shut down. He eliminated my DFS stack of Amari Cooper a couple of weeks ago. He he's really played, you know, at a high level this year, cornerback. Yeah, and this is something that is not surprising when you consider uh, where. Joe Judge is coming from, and that's New England. And we see this with Brian Flores as well. You know, you, ha- you get a little bit of talent on these defenses, and-, and you start to see these defenses playing some good ball. I mean, Miami had a shutout last week. I don't even, I mean, I know it was against the Jets, but like Miami shut, yep. <laughs> shut somebody yep. out, right? Like, because yep. usually Miami is a team you're thinking, okay, teams like the Jets will have their best performance of the year against a team like Miami. But it's not like that. I mean, Matt Patricia, you know, he, he he's had a lot of struggles in Detroit. They, they haven't had the talent or they've been banged up. But even the, 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 the Lions, I think you might see play a little better defensively and, and judges of that Belichick coaching tree and, that, and, and such a good schemer in Belichick. And I think he picked some things up because this Giants defense is really, it's, it's not one you necessarily want to target. And you know, to start the year, they've had a tough slate of, of matchups on the other side on, you know, them going against tough defenses. And it's kind of obscured the fact that uh, they're actually playing pretty good defense themselves. A tight end pickup this week, most popular one. He's burned a lot of people in the past, but Trey Burton. Trey Burton got up to a 57.6% snap share last week. He was the overall tight end three, 21.9 PPR fantasy points. Four receptions, 58 yards, two touchdowns. This is following the Mo Alley Cox breakout of a few weeks ago. A lot of tight end production in Indianapolis. Is Burton going to stay as the man there? Because if he does, with Phillip Rivers and all the issues with the, with the deep passes, he could be a pretty valuable tight end asset here rest of the season. Oh, yeah. Pick up Trey Burton. Absolutely. Uh as long as he's healthy, he will be heavily involved. I remember this from reading about uh, this in the offseason. I always try to kind of stay up on, on what these teams are doing and what their beat, you know, writers are saying because there's limited access to practice and limited practices. But um, one thing I remember them saying was that, uh, you know, Phil Rivers, a lot of struggles, obviously, with the turnovers and, and ill-advised decisions down the field over the past few years of his career. And, and the, one of the, essentially the main focus uh, in the offseason was Philip Rivers making higher percentage passes uh, to tight ends. And Burton was – the reason they went out and got Burton, even though a lot of people would look at the roster and say, hey, they had Jack Doyle and Moali yep. Cox. That's pretty good, right? Well, no. They went out and got Trey Burton, who brings uh, you know kind of a little different uh, skill set to the table, uh, and they intend to use him. Now, he's, he's a pretty – 
fragile guy. He may not last at, at this rate throughout the season. That's why he's playing, you know, what did you say, 57% yep. of the snaps? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's kind of why he's not at like 80. But uh, he will be very productive when he's in there because they make it a point to target him. So, yes, the, the, the snap share might not be ideal when you're looking at it compared to some of these other guys, but he's going to have a high target per route run. And you saw him get the rushing score uh, it, last week as well. So that's the kind of way there's certain guys that they're like specialists. Remember Eric Ebron a couple years ago with the Colts, uh, oh, you know, he yeah. played like 50% of the snaps, but when they got in the red zone or, or whatever, you know, they needed a key uh, player that was a hurry up. It was Ebron. And I think you're going to see that kind of same level of production from Burton as long as he's healthy. So yeah, I, I, I would jump for him. Those high-efficiency players, those seasons stick in your mind. Eric Ebron, Alan Hearns a few years ago where he had a ton of touchdowns oh, yeah. on a low reception share. Those guys can really swing things. If Burton's out there, I think you got to go grab him, especially a tight end. I want to take a look at, at a couple areas here that I'm just not sure about. People have asked me how they're going to play out during the fantasy playoffs. So I guess I'm asking, like, what do you do in these situations? The first one is the Buffalo Bills running backs. Now, Devin Singletary's taken the majority of touches there. He's had some good performances out against the Raiders especially, but their fantasy playoff schedule for running backs is absolutely lethal. From weeks 13 to 16, as of right now, they are going to face each of the top four defenses in limiting opposing running backs, one, two, three, and four, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, at Denver, at New England. So if you have one of these guys, if they're in a flex position, if you have Singletary, maybe you have Moss on your bench, you concerned about this at all, or, or do you think that you know there's still enough area there to get I don't know an RB three flex performance out of out of the league guy in Buffalo? There's enough area to get that performance, but I would definitely sell on Singletary. It looks like he's going to be the guy uh, at some point before that, <laughs> before the playoffs. Uh, not necessarily yet because his value is coming off a. Pretty rough game, so there's no there's no point in selling him now. You want to sell uh, you, you want to sell high, but yeah, I would I would be very concerned because uh, there was another reason why I was betting against the Bills. You know, the Chiefs are a team that you can exploit on the ground, but the Bills came into the game against Kansas City ranked dead last in offensive rushing DVOA, and that's surprising considering they have Josh Allen as well uh, at quarterback, who adds uh, you know another element to their run game, and that counts in DVOA. So, uh, and and that is also a concern concern for the running backs as well is that Josh Allen still looms around the goal line you know he can still take uh, he can still act as their goal line back he's not running quite as much this year but uh, around the goal line if they feel he's the best option he very well may be because you know would you rather have like the 6'5 you know 230 pound guy uh, if you if you you can't block or would you rather have you know the 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 5'8 guys you know so it's it's uh I think it's it's definitely a concern and you know then you have to deal with the fact that maybe at some point Moss overtakes Singletary as well so it's a dicey situation but hold on to Singletary he's still running the majority of the routes in the backfield uh you got to sell high on him and he's still talented enough to have another couple good games what on earth are we supposed to do with AJ Green I I pretty much said he was dust he had back-to-back wide receiver PPR performances 107 and 115 and just when people are ready to let him go if they somehow kept him and didn't drop him he goes out against Indianapolis 11 targets eight receptions 96 yards PPR wide receiver 15 high passing volume offense in Cincinnati but he hasn't looked good for a couple weeks AJ Green what do you think Chris it's tough. I mean, it really depends on your league, and, and it's not a cop out because I've dropped AJ Green in, in a, I think in our league, in the league we're in on a, an action. I, I yeah. dropped AJ yeah. Green, but that's because uh, you know we start three receivers, but um, like the roster spots in my opinion, are more valuable to hold on like running backs. Like, you know, Matt, I was able to pick up Madison and I have Pollard here. So that might, you know, come in handy. So if in your league, um, you have the roster space for him. I don't think you drop him, but I do think that ultimately, I don't know if he's going to be a top 32 guy for, you know, consistently. I think T Higgins, you know, in terms of the routes run, T Higgins is, is overtaking him. Uh, Tyler Boyd is still going to, uh, just because of the, the nature of the position Boyd plays, which is in a slot, uh, going to get higher percentage targets and probably get more targets than Green most weeks. And Green just, 
it could be that he's just working his way back into shape, but he kind of doesn't look really good out there. It's kind of like Rob Gronkowski. Like, I'm selling everywhere on Rob Gronkowski yep. after that game. Every time he got it, he had, what, 78 yards and a touchdown? It was the ugliest 78 yards and a touchdown I've ever seen. I mean, every time he got up off the ground, he looked hurt. It's like, you know those, like, when you, you have, yeah. like, a grandpa and he, like, sits on the couch and he gets <laughs> like, oh, oh. Like, that's Rob Gronkowski after every snap. So uh, A.J. Green kind of reminds me of that. Like, him and Patrick Peterson have this swag, like, uh, I'm kind of washed, but I don't really know it yet. So I'm still kind of like, you know what I mean? Like both of those guys, they just remind me of each other, um, you know, uh, on different sides of the ball. So yeah, I, I can't, I wouldn't say drop him if you have the space, but I think he's still kind of in that, uh, like wide receiver three, four borderline. Ezekiel Elliott, no Dak Prescott, Dalton went under center disaster last night. He doesn't have either of his tackles. Their fantasy week 13 to week 16 schedule at Baltimore in week 13, at Cincy week 14, the Niners and the Eagles, of course, who are tough. Now, listen, he gets a lot of passing volume. I understand that. But if you're an Ezekiel Elliott owner, is this crazy, Chris? Should you look to trade him maybe for someone who has an easier you know, schedule like a Joe Mixon, maybe a Melvin Gordon? Because you know he did not look great last night. The fumbles are obviously an issue. And he's still a guy that has enough volume that maybe he's tradable. What do you think? I'm going to be very clear on this. Hell fucking no. You buy Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott everywhere. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, come on. Like, like he couldn't have set up any better for Ezekiel Elliott. Like, you have the embarrassment, disaster on Monday Night Football, but as bad as Zeke, Zeke had two fumbles. You know, it happens. It, it's it, it's not good and put the team in a bad spot, but it's two fumbles. The, 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 the real issue on that team is that the quarterback's not good uh, yeah. and the line is not good. Uh, what are you going to do? If you're Dallas and you're probably in the thick of things, they're favored to win the NFC East and you have uh, four key games down the stretch, you're going to give Zeke like 35 touches a game. If you can't get him going in the run game because you can't block, you're going to give him 10 targets. Ezekiel Elliott could very well be the running back one in fantasy from here on out. Uh, I would buy him completely and absolutely, in every possible situation I could, I would trade almost any running back this side of Derrick Henry to acquire Ezekiel Elliott. And he's getting the volume in the passing game. Those targets yeah. are coming, those short checkdowns. Yeah. Back-to-back reception, Seattle, Cleveland, six and eight. Absolutely. I get and, these questions sometimes. Yeah, go ahead. And, oh, no, and I was thinking, also by Pollard. Like I, like I said, like I dropped A.J. Green, and I have like Pollard and Madison and all these guys on my bench. Like Pollard, if, if Zeke goes down or something happens to him, like Pollard will be – very valuable as well, and uh, Dallas may just have to use more running backs because, like, you saw the game plan coming out I- against Arizona. Andy Dalton, I think, like, those first, like, four plays was just targets to Zeke. This is this is what Dallas has to be. They have no choice. So, you know, uh, there's probably no higher upside back in or player in football right now than Ezekiel Elliott, except maybe Derrick Henry, for the same reasons. Like, they just get so much volume, and the Cowboys have no choice now. And they're they're, they're America's team. They don't want to embarrass themselves. They're not going to give, like, Rico Dowdle, you know, three, you know 15 snaps a game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is going to be the Zeke show. And now he's motivated, and now he's he's got the talent to prove to, – to, to shut everybody up. You know, that that's the thing. It's like he's got the talent. To, to, to run behind a bad O-line. He's got the talent to shut everybody up who watched him on Monday night and said, oh, Zeke is not a good leader. He's got the talent. He's going to be motivated to play for this for his, for his guy, Dak. Uh, he's going to be motivated because his team is still could win the division title. Uh, and, and he's going to be motivated because he hasn't been as good. And, and he's, he's going to be motivated because he's going to get fed. That's like, this is, this is the premier premier by Ezekiel Elliott spot of the of the season like this is a turning point like buy him now don't he like I don't care if he has another bad game against Washington because the the he probably won't <laughs> that's the thing he probably won't so just buy him now uh, anywhere you can just to illustrate your point last night Cooper 10 targets Lamb 10 targets Zeke 11 targets he's basically operating as a top option in both running and passing superior Chris, I'm curious, what are your favorite workout songs here? I'm going old school rap, a little Run DMC, Public Enemy. Also chuck the Rocky soundtrack in there once in a while to get me going if I'm on a long run. You got a favorite person or or group to listen to for workout songs? Yeah, I generally try to listen to uh – 
new music. So so it's usually kind of new uh, new hip hop, like trap music, a lot of down south stuff. Future is one of my go to yeah, artists. Yeah. Drake. Yeah. So it's like something about working out. It's like I feel maybe it's because you're tearing down the muscles and you're building new muscles. I need to hear like new shit. But uh, you yeah. know when I'm I, I, I probably surprise people, but I actually listen to a lot of oldies too. Like I wasn't not in the gym, but I uh, I like uh, kind of like sixties doo wop, sixties girl group music. Like I love the Crystals. You know that that song from Goodfellas. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I love like people like that. I listen to a lot of that. But when I'm working out i need to hear like fresh shit so it's a lot of future a lot of uh you know migos uh drake gucci man french montana all, all those cats so buy sell holds here uh, the first guy up reminds me of the alonzo morning gif that's out there where he's shaking <laughs> his head and then he shrugs his shoulders todd Gurley did not start off strong he was being bolstered by touchdowns that he was getting early on i remember the the cowboy game second half i figured they'd pound Gurley. he struggled there against the cowboys but now you look around the running back landscape, a lot of guys aren't left. Gurley's a running back and now what may be a rejuvenated offense under, you know, Raheem Morris. What do you think about Gurley here? Buy, sell, hold. I am holding. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you – I don't, definitely don't think you sell on Gurley. I mean, he got 20 carries last week. They only went for 47 yards. But, like, I, he the, the thing with him is I think he's a ticking time bomb in a way. Like, like, I just don't know if he makes it through the season. But at the same time – He's been like this for a while, and he's held up so far. You know, for all his knee issues, he hasn't missed many games. Um, I think he's going to have some ugly games where he, he doesn't get a lot of yards per carry, but he's getting uh, – He's. it's kind of like last year with the Rams. It's like he didn't have a – he had a terrible season from an efficiency standpoint, but he was mm-hmm. fine in fantasy because he was getting these touchdowns, and I, I think that – with Dan Quinn out, I think you will see a bit of an improvement on the Falcons because, like, the Falcons were one of the worst teams against the spread. So let's put this in perspective. That means that you're 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 not performing as well as the market thought you would. That means you're a lot of times not scoring as many points as you know you were supposed to, and so that may actually change a little bit. So you may even see an uh, an increase in growth. So I'm definitely not selling. I'm not buying just because I do think that. At some point, he could get hurt, but if I have him, definitely not selling, so so it's a hold. Explain to me how T.Y. Hilton, at home in a oh dome, my God. when the Colts score 31 points, and by the way, I had him all over the place in DFS because I, oh I swore God. this was going to be the big week. One reception, 11 yards on five targets. I mean, we have Zach Pascal, Trey Burton, of course, with the big game. I mean, we had Marcus Johnson, T.Y. Hilton. Are you buying or you're, sell- or you're dropping? Basically, that's my question. <laughs> I'm not – another hold for me. Uh, I mean, I would lean by with Hilton. It's just – so he, the, the, the thing with Hilton is I think it's a little different from the A.J. Green issue. Like, I think A.J. Green is actually physically uh, – has deteriorated physically. Uh, with T.Y. Hilton, the problem is the names you just mentioned. <laughs> like, if you're a defense and you got to worry about Zach Pascal, Marcus Johnson, uh, you know, Jack Doyle, any like Trey Burton, okay, he's going to be out there half the time. But even him, he's like, what, he's going to get like, you know, eight, like seven averages up the target or less. You know, like these guys are completely irrelevant to opposing defensive coordinators and you scheme to take away – T.Y. Hilton, who is by far, in a way, the most dangerous uh, receiver on that team. And then uh, you've got all the coaches in Philip Rivers' ear telling him, don't make the mistake. Don't make the big mistake. Don't take a chance. Just dump it off to the back. Dump it off to the tight end. So unfortunately, such is the life with T.Y. Hilton. Uh, he'll have explosive games. Uh, who does he always kill? It's the Texans, right? He always goes yeah. off against oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So so he'll probably have some big games against the Texans just because it's Texans and uh there'll probably be another couple in there that we can't predict. So I, I would lean by. Definitely not another guy I'm not dropping. He's still like on a week to week basis, I think, gonna project for the most targets, but um it, I'm not starting him necessarily in if I don't have to. Like he's another guy, he's kind of in that wide receiver three flex range where I'm hoping if I have a playoff bound team uh, I, I would hope I have three wide receivers better than T.Y. Hilton right now. But definitely don't drop him because um, it's still a guy that you have targets plus air yards plus the potential for like a 70-yard touchdown every every game. So uh, don't, don't don't completely get off of him yet. And last one here, I am thoroughly enjoying the Ronald Jones party over the last few weeks. But Fournette was sort of an emergency availability last game. What are you doing with Rojo? Can he keep this going here? I think he can. He looks he, like, I, you know, I was concerned coming into the year because Bruce Aaron did seem like every 
everything you heard about Rojo, it seemed like you, Bruce Arians went against it in some ways. Like last year, is like, yo, he, he, they could have gave him the weed back roll over Peyton Barber, but Barber's there. Then they're like, hey, he's our guy. And then they go out and get Fournette for seemingly no reason after they get McCoy and draft Vaughn. And, uh, you know, it just was kind of like weird. But, but now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, Bruce Arians may just be a guy who wants a lot of veterans on his team. I mean, they also went out and got Gronk when they had Howard, and, and, and that came in handy because Howard's done for the year, and Fournette's also hurt. So I think Jones keeps it going. He looks a lot more powerful. Uh, he's kind of like – it's like this weird mix between, like, Derrick Henry and Le'Veon Bell. Like, sometimes he looks really powerful, but sometimes he's, like, just kind of, like, squeaking through these holes and it's kind of a little bit upright. Call. Yes. Like, it's, yeah. like, it's a weird mix of two guys who are nothing like the same, but – uh, yeah, I think there's this heaviness to him, and, and he's falling forward and getting tough yards. So uh, I think he keeps it going. I think Fournette probably is at this point the guy to drop because McCoy uh, is going, and or Vaughn, one of those two guys, is kind of the Agun Bawale of last year. Uh, you know, the passing down back. So uh, and Jones is still getting his in the pass game, but it just doesn't weave much for Fournette, and he's been banged up. And a banged up winner Fournette is just no good. Like Leonard Fournette is already like a low yard per carry kind of volume driven guy. If he's banged up, he's just of no use to your football team. Most popular question we have here on the mailbag. It's thank a teacher time with everything going on. Teachers being very underappreciated across our country. So take a moment here. K-12 teacher, somebody in in your elementary or middle or high school years that had a huge positive impact on you that you want to thank right now. Ooh, this is a good question. I don't think I've ever got this question on any type of media. Um, I will shout out, I'm going to shout out Miss, Mrs., I think it's Mrs., Mrs. Gillings. Uh, she was my fifth grade homeroom and math fourth through eight teacher. And uh, that math paid off. She used to, uh, she had, she was very strict, but like it was very efficient. Um, she, she had this, uh, you know, the, like the, uh, the, the wooden stick that you point, the pointer for the chalkboard. Yes. She, 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 she may or may not have uh, disciplined us. With that, <laughs> nothing with wrong that with that. I'm trying to get yeah. you in trouble, so I'm just gonna yeah. say maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. <laughs> um, but no, no, she she was uh, she was real strict, and uh, uh, you know I am th- those principles have kind of rubbed off in in how I approach uh, not just math but life. I mean, I, I think of everything kind of in mathematical terms and in probabilistic terms, and uh, uh, I know she had a big impact on that. So shouts to her. You are the DFS guy, Chris. You're on team Get That Shmoney. Let's go position by position. Give me a player here that you think can pop that maybe is a cheap option. You know, quarterback is interesting because on the main slate, we have Wilson, we have Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers on the road at Houston. Are they going to bounce back? Are they not? Then there's Herbert, Dalton. I mean, I don't think we trust Dalton, but who are you looking at at quarterback here? Somebody who you think could pop and, and possibly have a big upside in that range of outcomes. Uh, well, I absolutely think Rodgers will bounce back. Uh, last week was an easy fade. He can't beat teams that get a lot of pressure. Houston is bottom six in pressure, so he'll bounce back. Uh, I, in terms of the salaries, though, Joe Burrow is at 5.5K on DraftKings. Uh, I think he's in a, a pretty good spot because you look at the Browns and their defense just has not been very good. I mean, what it's like they gave up 38 points in all three road games, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, th- th- you mentioned Burrow has been a high volume pass offense. And, and, and I think the Browns will bounce back this week, by the way. And that just increases the shootout probability because guess what? The Bengals don't get pressure. So this is a great, uh, actually Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's a great buy low guy this week. Oh, that's actually. a gutsy one. That's oh, <laughs> like, come on. I mean, this is how you, this is how you do it. Like you, fa- you, you buy the guys that you faded last week or, or the guys that were terrible last week. Um, I think it's a great ba- bounce back spot for Baker. Great bounce back spot for OBJ, Jarvis, um, that whole that whole squad, Kareem Hunt, everyone. And, and I think that this game, you could see a lot of points. I, I mean, the total is, uh, I want to say it's 51 as we record this. Uh, that should tell you something. Uh, you know, travel, not an issue for either team. It's it's in Ohio, you know, so it's not a road game for the Browns. So, yeah, give me the Baker-Burrow uh, shootout. Running back's interesting here, of course. Uh, we're looking at the 49ers. Most of it's going to go on IR. There's McKinnon. Hasty played well last week. We don't know about Jeff Wilson. You know, some interesting backs that are available. Antonio Gibson after McKissick had pretty much you know, the majority of touches in the last game. They played Dallas. James White always an option. Do you have a running back here you like uh, for DFS? 
Oh, I mean, the San Francisco. Okay, first of all, San Francisco and New England are both, uh, as you mentioned, uh, top, top. What is it? Four against the run. Oh, yeah. so yep. This is not a situation you necessarily need to feel like you have to get right. Like you can just avoid this whole situation. But my read uh, on the 49er situation, because I think that will be most interesting to people, uh, you know, is that McKinnon ceded a lot of touches to Hasty. Wilson was inactive. A few weeks ago when Mostert got hurt against the Jets, we saw Wilson carry, I believe it was 12 times, and McKinnon was, wasn't was as, as, as involved. And then the next week they came out and McKinnon was the feature guy. It's In both of those games, the, the Jets game and the Rams game, the Niners were relatively in control. The Jets game, they were definitely in control. And, and in the Rams game, they were pretty much in control from start to finish. So it probably what it looks like to me is that Shanahan knowing that Mostert's probably going to miss last week doesn't want to waste McKinnon you know in, in these in this situation where they're ahead you know they they can give some carries to to the backup and i would think that McKinnon comes out and plays that feature role that he did against the giants uh again in in week seven. So that's kind of my read on it. I think Hasty will be a popular play, but uh, Wilson will be active. I wouldn't be surprised if Hasty is the third string guy in this, in this spot, you know, Wilson just wasn't active. So he couldn't get, you know, carry the football and don't forget Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, they can get some carries too, but uh, I would think it's McKinnon. As far as cheap plays, uh, I'm, 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 I don't want any part of the the New England backfield because it's so dependent on game script. Yep. Uh, I, I think I, I think DeAndre Swift is going to continue to to have a big role in Detroit. You know, team coming off the bye, uh, he he's the man. I think that'll continue. Uh, you know, Kenyon Drake at forty eight hundred. The price is just so low, lower than Edmonds that I don't hate it. It's a little bit recency bias, and Seattle is a good running t- uh, defense as well. So I, don't, I wouldn't go crazy, but uh, you know, for a guy who has twenty touch upside at forty eight hundred, that that's just way too cheap. So uh, I think. Um, he's in, he's in play. And, uh, at least for now, don't, don't sleep on, I know I said long-term buying P Ron, but don't sleep on the Frank Gore revenge game yeah. against the Buffalo Bills because, Good call. uh, is there a team, maybe a team out there that, uh, kind of coaxed this coach that is famously pass having into running the most attempts he's ever had in a football game? Oh yeah. It's the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Is there a team on, on a short week? against a desperate team to get a win and not embarrass themselves. Oh, yeah, it's the Buffalo Bills. Is there a team that Frank Gore was just on last year that discarded him and went with a rookie third-round pick over him? Oh, yeah, it's the Bills. This is probably the, the Frank Gore, like, bust-out game, and then they can trade him to a contender, you know. So, uh, yeah, uh, Frank Gore, don't sleep. And, and he actually ran a decent amount of pass routes last week. So, like, like if everyone's – if game Michael Hasty is going to be the chalk at 4,200 uh, – it's got to be Frank Gore at forty three hundred as the as the pivot. Like it, it just has to be. Could he be auditioning to return to Buffalo, Chris? <laughs> oh man, I, I mean, that would just be a, a complete mind fuck. So I, I mean, yeah. honestly, like you said, these Buffalo running backs are going to be irrelevant. Like like once the playoffs hit, so I I don't I don't, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> what wide receiver? The guy that jumps out to me is DJ Chark. Fourteen targets last week. Now look, I know they go out against the Chargers. That's a tough place to play. But he's a guy who's flying under the radar that has multi-touchdown upside. Some of the other plays, Jerry Judy, very high in air yards now. They're home against Kansas City. You know, a couple guys here down at the bottom that you can look at that you can always see that maybe they could pop something big. Even a Marquez Valdez-Scanling, if you want a dart throw there, against a terrible Houston defense. So anybody here wide receiver, cheap play that you like? Well, well, I think there's a lot of great mid-range plays. First of all, uh, Terry McLaurin is under 6K. That I have, yeah. I think it's my wide receiver six this week. Chase Claypool at 5.7K, right under him. Uh, DJ Moore at 5.6. He, he reemerged, and, and then like you said, Shark there, uh, and then and then Boyd and Higgins. And it's, again, like don't sleep on this Bengals Cleveland game, man. Like Cleveland's defense is not good. Uh, so like those two guys uh, as well. And yeah, the, the guys you mentioned, J- uh, Jerry Judy, I think at 5,100, uh, Debo Samuel, uh, at 50, just because I think they're, you're going to see him involved in the run game, uh, as well. And I think New England's going to go hard to stop Kittle. Uh, love Jarvis Landry at 4,600 again. I think this is a bounce back spot for the, uh, Browns against a much easier defense. And, uh, I mean, I mean, what, what do we, you talk about AJ Green. What do we do with Marvin Jones? Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> like, 
JJ I mean, JJ Zacharyson just talked about him on the pod today. I mean, he's like uh, drop him. He's uh, like, I mean, at this point, you know, you want to hold on, but in most leagues, you don't have enough bench spots that you can hold on to Marvin Jones. I mean, it's just that with Hawkinson there too. I just think I don't know how long you can hold on to him. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree there. I mean, I think in in a DFS tournament, because the thing about Jones is he's out there nine like ninety two to one hundred percent of the routes every single week like he almost never comes out of the game so there's gonna be a game like what do you have like four touchdowns in a game last week yeah. in dfs i think you have to keep him in mind each and every week because you're gonna get a guy with like four touchdown upside at like one percent ownership and this is atlanta this is the highest total of the week so i'm actually i'm gonna i'm gonna hold off i'm gonna i'm gonna buy into jones for one more week at least and, and see how that goes but uh, yeah, so that's my, I guess that's my kind of DFS play. And if, and if, yeah, if a rookie comes back, like if Mims comes back this week, I, I think he's still on the IR, so I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. But if he comes back, uh, yeah, I'm buying on all these, uh, on a guy like him in his first game, because uh, I think it could be a big game. And tight end, what a, a dumpster fire here. I mean, there's Kittle, Hawkinson, Fant is questionable. I mean, do we really believe and go back to Logan Thomas after everybody jumped off the bus and he caught a touchdown here? Is there, is there a low end play that you like here at tight end? Yeah, it's not Logan Thomas. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say James O'Shaughnessy for the Jaguars. If I put uh, out, I mean, my God. I, well, I, well, I, well, okay. First of all, let me say that, uh, Hunter Henry at four at forty five hundred is like should be the chalk. Uh, yeah. So he's he's like a semi cheap option. I think if you go down the list, uh, it's. It's tough. Like I'm looking. We'll see if Janu. What's going on with Janu? But you know, Ferkser, I think would be a guy you would consider. Um, if, I'll go back to Fells if Akins is out again. I just don't know if Akins yeah, is going to be out yeah. again. Yeah. Same. Yeah, it's it's tough early in the week because it really is going to come down to kind of those injuries um, on that on this slate. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say I'm going with a lot of Hunter Henry uh, and. You know, Dalton Schultz, you know, maybe because, you know, Washington is near the bottom of the league against tight ends. And uh, Andy Dalton, it, it, like, this is another tough defensive front. Like, people think, like, oh, this is like a – it's a great, you know, like it's probably a get-right spot against Washington. I think Zeke will have a big bounce back. But this is a tough defensive front, so you could continue to see Dalton Schultz uh, targeted for that Cowboy passing game, uh, you know, to kind of take the, the pressure off Dalton. You're going to probably see a lot of the tight end and the – and the running back involved. So, yeah, that's who I'd say. I, I don't think it's like a huge uh, pay-down week. Although, if Noah Fant is out again, and, and he's questionable, but if Noah Fant is out, Okuebunam, yeah. Albert Okuebunam, yeah. by the rookies, just by the rookies, he had two for 45 against yep. the Patriots. Yeah. Explosive uh, guy, man. Shower yeah. narrative with Drew Locke, yep. Yeah, man, just 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 him. Yeah, that, that's, that's my answer, him. Okuebunam. Uh, <laughs> Let's head to redraft lightning round quick. I give you two guys. You tell me the better PPR play here upcoming. I, I got big wide receivers here to start. I got Kenny Galladay at Atlanta or same game Calvin Ridley versus the Lions. Oof. Tough one, huh? I have him like dead even. I'm going to go with Kenny Galladay. No, I'm going to go with Calvin Ridley against the yeah. – Lions, because Julio had the big game last week, that takes the pressure off Ridley. Better wide receiver one, massive upside play. I got the Bills going to the Jets with Stephon Diggs, who really is having a phenomenal year, or Devontae Adams against the Texans on the road. Mm, you got to go You got to go, Devontae here. I mean, Devontae is like top – this is locked in top three every week. I think Diggs is actually my three, and, and Adams is my two right now. So it's mm. another one extremely close, but I mean – we're talking about Devontae Adams here. Like, what? Bradley Roby's going to, like, all right, everyone, don't worry about Aaron Rodgers. He's fine. He just can't beat pressure. And you saw this against San Francisco last year. Houston doesn't get pressure. Rodgers will be fine. Adams will be fine. Monday night football, Chris, in a fishy line. They're giving you a lot of points there with a Bears team that's 5-1. and one. Allen Robinson, who's going to draw Jalen Ramsey, or Robert Woods in the same game against that Bears defense that has allowed the four fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. I have though both of those guys even as well. That's a, you know I think I have Robinson like a spot ahead of him, but I'm actually going to say Woods because the thing about Woods is he gets carries, he gets carries. Yep, so yep. and, and it's it's just more of a scheme thing in in LA, right? Like it's, I think San Francisco's like this too. It's like 
you have these catch and run wide receivers. And so the matchups don't always matter as much because you're not doing a whole, you're not always doing it down the field. You're doing a lot of it on scheme. You're getting some easy shovel passes, some motions, some carries. So give me Woods because I mean, Ramsey is like the best corner in the game. So I, I don't, I don't think I want any of that with Robinson. And last one, I apologize in advance. Two guys I don't think you like this week. Rob Gronkowski at the Raiders or Eric Ebron at Tennessee. <laughs> ooh, this is ah. Uh, <laughs> ooh, Eric Ebron at Tennessee for Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I'm gonna still go Rob Gronkowski because it's it's you're going against the Raiders and they they tend to kind of they're they're a smart team as well. They're not gonna. You're gonna you're gonna dedicate your resources to slowing down Godwin and Evans, whereas this, I, I think the issue with Ebron in Pittsburgh is that uh, we could see his snap count go down. Whereas Gronkowski, I think you know with the Howard injury, uh, Gronkowski is still going to be involved, and you're still in against you're still going against a bad defense that's not going to concentrate on you. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll still roll with Gronk this week. Man, this has been amazing. Last question, then I'll get you out of here. Fantastic insight across the board. You nailed your best bet. That 11 a.m. Action Network live show is incredible. Every Sunday morning, must watch there. You nailed Pittsburgh minus three. You said it was easy. It's a smash spot. You nailed it. You got a pick for us early this week, an early bet that you're looking at right now that you're sort of eyeing eyeing the games. I mean, I'm just giving you the – I hate kind of choosing best bets. I think it's such like a – you know, it's like the whole point of betting multiple games or betting whatever you think is valuable is that you don't know which ones are going to hit or not. So I'll just tell you the bets I've made already. Uh, it, I, I've, I've bet on Cleveland minus three at Cincinnati. Again, I think great bounce back spot for, uh, for Baker Mayfield, like them up to minus four. Uh, Cincinnati doesn't get pressure. Same thing for the Packers. Bet them at minus three, like them up to four uh, against the Texans, another team that doesn't get pressure. And then I took the Seahawks at three. I don't think you're going to find that out there. I, I would still take them up to four. Uh, road favorites off a of bye, 63 and 29 since 2003. That's 69%. Uh, and, and you're also getting Arizona on a short week coming off a big win. Easy letdown, like a, just a wetdown spot you can see from a mile away. Uh, for this Arizona team. So those are the three bets I've made. And I have my eye on these Tennessee Titans. I have Steelers are the first Super Bowl future I had. So I'm loving their start to the season. But they played four straight home games. The first road game, people are going to overrate the Luan injury when Tannehill has been the best under pressure and, and it's mostly play action. So I'm hoping that number gets to three. It may not. Um, I'll, I'll bet it, you know, at two or whatever it is, but, uh, I'm looking at that one, just kind of waiting. Uh, so by the time people hear this, who knows where the line will be, but, uh, definitely eyeing that one as well. Folks, Chris Raybon, Action Network, Fantasy Labs, premier people in the industry, Fantasy Flex, gotta watch it. The betting podcast he does with Stucky and Action Network, incredible. Top five of Fantasy Pros last year in accuracy. You have a question, he has the answer. It's that simple. Follow on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Chris, that was the fastest hour of my life, man. Great insight across the board. You are one of the best. It's an honor to have you on. Oh, always a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me on, and uh, let's get this shmoney. You got it. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. The wait is finally over, folks. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. From the game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Go and head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.